the state of the band today is the best band I've ever been in. It's the most hopeful I've ever felt playing music. It's the most enjoying, uh, the most amount of enjoyment I have with friends of mine playing music. And, it, and I think probably the best music I've ever written and played. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band, then give you a track by track breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Talking Records, an album spotlight podcast where we take an album and round up all the information we possibly can and put it all here. I'm just a huge fan of music, and learning about the events and conditions under which my favorite albums are made enhances my enjoyment of the albums so much. I am pleased to have a chance to speak with Jamie Wolford of The Stereo in just a moment. Be sure to follow Talking Records on social media. We can be found on Instagram or Talking Records Podcast. We can also be found on Twitter and YouTube. Give us a like or a follow, and we'll try to keep fresh content coming your way daily. You can also visit our website at TalkingRecordsPodcast.com. There you'll find episodes, merch, and more. You can even drop us an email at TalkingRecords at Outlook.com. These are all great ways for us to connect with you over all the great music we enjoy. We would love to get this podcast in front of more music lovers, and you can help us by providing us with a positive review on the Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts, as every review helps us reach more listeners. Also, word of mouth is helpful too. All right, thanks, everyone. The Stereo, a power pop rock group, rose from the experiences of two musicians looking to create something new. Jamie Wolford of Animal Chin was connected with Rory Phillips of The Impossibles. But rather than form some ska supergroup, the two realized their love of pop rock with big guitars and catchy melodies would take them down a new path. They pooled their creative output at the time and began working together to craft their debut album. Playing almost all the instruments, the band quickly recorded the album and then hit the road. I discovered the stereo in 1999 as I wandered the internet, following the rabbit holes it so often leads me down. I haven't changed much since then. I used to spend so much time looking up bands and tracing what the various band members were doing. I found a couple of songs from the stereo on mp3.com and immediately downloaded them. The songs were very memorable, had a driving beat, and sounded great. Jamie and Rory seemed to have incredible ears for hooks and rhythms, and I just found these songs incredibly enjoyable. I picked up 300 and really loved it, but I guess I should have kept a closer eye on the band. I had no idea of the inner turmoil and the lineup changes. I didn't even know they had an album out in 2001. It wasn't until I heard Pay No Attention that I was like, oh yeah, this band rules. But then they were gone. But I never forgot about those incredibly catchy songs. And then I heard on the In Defense of Scott podcast, where Aaron and Adam interviewed Rory, that there was a podcast called The Kings of No Hope. I dove into that podcast and learned a whole hell of a lot. Here to talk about that podcast, the album 300, and the new album 13, 
is Jamie Wolfert. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? Hi there. How are you? Uh, great. Can you hear me? I can. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on Talking Records. We are going to talk about two records. I, after 100 episodes, I realized, hey, Talking Records, plural, I can talk about more than one record, right? It's built, it's built into the name, right? <laughs> it's already in place. So I'm psyched to talk about your new record, 13, but I'm also really yeah. excited to go back and talk a little bit about your first record, 300. So yeah, we're, we're going <laughs> to be all over the place. Let's get, dive into that, the mess that are, that are these records. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we tackle 300, tell me about the new record, 13. So at what point did you guys say, hey, it's time for a new record? Probably 2015 is when the 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 sort of the initial thing of it came about. We you know we we had gotten the band broke up originally kind of you know, I think 2002 2003 yeah. maybe I can't, kind of can't remember the exact <laughs> date of this. Other people probably know this stuff very well. Um, but we reunited as the form in the form that we're in now. We reunited uh, in New York City for one show for the Feel by Ramen 15 year anniversary concerts. And we had such an amazing time. And so kind of from that point on, I think everybody was like, hey, if this opportunity comes up again to play more shows, like I would love to do it. I mean, that's kind of everybody's consensus mm. was like, like, if you guys want to do this again, I, I'm in. And I was like, yeah, me too. And, you know, Chris, Sam, everybody was like, yes, let's do, let's, you know, let's. And then we actually started to maybe think about trying to do a, a tour and we got into it a little bit. Uh, Rory at the time was having a child, so it sort of turned into mm. kind of like, well, I, I kind of can't do it right now. Yeah. Like we're, you know, quite literally about to have a baby. So we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll circle back around it, you know, in six months or a year or something like that. And then it kind of just didn't happen, you know, everybody's lives, et cetera. Sure. And uh, 2015 rolls around and Rory had sent me a song that he wanted me to, he want, he had kind of was like, I, I want to hear these ba these gang vocals kind of at the end here. It gets a really big triumphant part. And I'd like, would you mind putting a couple vocal tracks? I was like, yeah, totally bud. You know, and I, I did it. And I was like, you know, I've got a couple of songs lying, lying around and Rory and I are kind of <laughs> now we're, this is kind of cool. We're collaborating on music again. I was like, well, you know, would you, what do you think about doing a stereo record? And he's like, Oh, that would be amazing. Let's totally do that. It's like, I've got a few songs too. Then he sends me like 10 songs. Oh, wow. Like pretty much like an album. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, I need to catch up because I only had like two or three ideas. You know, I, I didn't have uh, the backlog that I wanted, but I definitely had two or three ideas that to me sounded like stereo songs. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I got to catch up. And, you know, at this point we're all, uh, we have families and, you know, I was, I had moved to Denver and, you know, it just took a long time to kind of get things to the point where they needed to be to start really going, okay, now we have the, the material to make a record a very long time. And, and, but, you know, to be fair though, we also wrote overwrote, we wrote about three albums worth of material. We wrote like, and not just like ideas for 30 so plus songs, but actual 30 plus actual songs with like songs. Wow. all the parts. <laughs> yeah. Like all the lyrics, all the background vocals, all the instrumentation, percussion 
you know, a full mix and everything, wow. you know, like, uh, and like kind of had it you know, pseudo mastered so that we could hear it all like, so that we could put it into a big pile and then decide what we wanted to do. And there was, there was actually quite a bit of like, I don't want to call it acrimony, but like um, discussion surrounding what songs would and would not make the record. And there were definitely some, some songs that everybody were like, oh, God, I can't believe that's not going to go on the record. Mm. Like this hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, and, uh, and I would be like, well, guess what, dudes? Like we don't have to throw the song away. Right. Just put it out on another record stuff. Sure. We, we have a good kind of back catalog of, of new material that we will now get around to at some point. Um, so that's actually kind of exciting too. But, um, but yeah, once we got to that point and we hit the studio uh, right before the pandemic pretty much, and we got everything kind of ready to go. And then obviously the pandemic happened and it was like, well, anything that we thought about doing at this point is kind of like, I don't know what to do now. So we just sort of sat there bewildered like everybody yeah. and thought <laughs> we're going to have to see what happens here because like, it's already difficult to be a band and trying to release a record and add, add in a band that doesn't live in the same city as each other after a 20 year gap from your last record, we are not on a label anymore. Mm. Like what how, that, and then also a worldwide pandemic that upsetting millions of people, like, okay, some complexity here that we have to mitigate. Some right? new that, obstacles. That yeah. <laughs> new obstacles. Yeah. So, but once we finally figured out what we wanted to do, it, it kind of, it things sped up really fast and like, it's kind of seemed like, okay, we're going to do this Kickstarter thing. And, yeah, it almost felt like there was like three weeks, and we were announcing, wow. you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, and <laughs> we uh, we hit our initial goal in twenty minutes, really, which blew our minds. We actually hit it, twenty minutes, and it wasn't even it was the soft launch of the Kickstarter too. Like we didn't actually announce that we had done it. We just had a <laughs> a pre mailing list thing. And we just told those people. So it was just like a you know a few hundred people that kind of were on this like brand new mailing list that we'd started. Yeah. So the people that you know, were like watching you guys, super fans, with an eye on you. Yeah. yeah. We put it out. Twenty minutes later, we had funded our first goal. And wow. We're like, <laughs> okay. So now what? Then we then we had to scramble. We had to kind of figure out what to do next. And by the end of it, by okay, we our plan was to just do it for about a month. And by the end of it, we had funded our goal like it's funny every time i log into the kickstarter thing it says you have funded your goal by 824 percent wow <laughs> and i'm just like <laughs> i even understand you know like that's 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 over 100 percent, and math like that is scary yeah math is scary to begin with but when it, it starts baking my noodle like that i don't know so we're like in this like totally tickled state right now where our fans have just stood up and said hey you guys are great and we're we're giving that love right back and now we've got all this stuff cool stuff that we we're going to do cuz you know they pledged all this money for us yeah. to figure out a way to do it so we're in the midst of doing that so did you feel like you had to like ramp up the incentives after that happened or were you just like okay this oh is 100% <laughs> yeah 824% to be honest uh no it was like um so we just initially just wanted to kind of like use the kickstarter's way to kind of fund the vinyl production right yeah. And then, and then also sort of like layer in our, and our big incentive was like, when we're going to do this podcast about the, the history of the band. Yeah. And once it was like the 20 minutes later, it's just like, okay, well now we have like a month to go. Like, what are we going to, we're going to have to sweeten the deal. <laughs> and I think we did, we ended up, we ended up raising about $41,000 and we put 
that into we made the vinyl we went from just making good old standard black vinyl to now a deluxe gatefold and clear vinyl oh nice where we're everybody's getting mer- all the people that have ordered like shipping you know things like physical items they're getting merch perks like guitar picks uh custom vinyl slip mat posters stickers um you know we we have these uh brand new shirts along with some classic logo shirts we did um a cassette, which nice. I haven't done since like 1996. Yeah, cassettes are coming back. I don't um, know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The one format that we sort of didn't even touch was the CD, which was like kind of the last format like I sort of cared about, I guess, until these days. Isn't that but, interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's just wild, yeah. you know. But we, but then we're doing. We're gonna make a. Uh, we're kind of making a like a concert film, like live from the studio performance concert film. Um, that hopefully we're going to be getting together in November to shoot that. And then at the same time, we're going to shoot a music video. We went big on our goals now. So like, and because we know that because we're separated by many thousands of miles ourselves, we're like, when we do get together, we want to make it count. And, uh, you know, one of the big questions, one of the things that we're sort of trying to insulate ourselves from is a possible future pandemic too, mm-hmm. right? Or some mm-hmm. other yeah. global nightmare that you know so we're like well let's get ahead of this this time and let's like make a concert film of us playing the new material maybe some old jams too and some old stinkers depending on how, how you get the band, you know, <laughs> who knows uh and 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 but shoot it real you know real 4k hi-fi great lighting and like make a real make a real go of like doing like what would be the best way to see and hear the stereo yeah and sh- like re- performing in a studio we're performing in the same studio that we've recorded the record in, yeah. so it's going to sound great and that whole thing and we'll be all together in the room and, and you know we're like we've already started sort of our sort of we have this weird technological way of rehearsing <laughs> and we're all we're all sort of getting engrossed in that process already so yeah um yeah so there's a lot of work to do but you know it's good well that's really cool that you're, you're doing the live thing because i mean it it wasn't that long ago that it was a legitimate question to say, are there going to be live shows again? You know, are, are, are concerts going to come back? <laughs> it was a real wonder. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's I'm so glad that it has turned out the way that it has. Right. Um, you know, there's still precautions to be taken. There's still, you know, there, there's no doubt that the, the, the impact has taken, it's a massive toll on people. Absolutely. Right. But it has, it's interesting because I think there's more than just like a, scientific question sorry to veer off track here but more than just a scientific question about you know biology and communicable viruses and whatnot right it really does there has been a lot of sunshine or sunlight applied to the concept of humanity and how humans are to each other and what what it means to band together in crises and yeah some people do and Unfortunately, some others don't. We saw a lot of interesting reactions to how this whole thing went down. Sure and, did. <laughs> um, and it and and again, it's sometimes sometimes it makes you scratch your head, and other times it makes it warms your heart. Um, so yeah. humans are funny creatures. It's important, yeah, know? it's important to remember those positive things. But you know, there's a lot of talk yeah. when this was happening about you know this is an opportunity for people to like really evaluate our system and maybe come out of this and make some vast improvements. And it feels like, you know, the pandemic ended and we're right back where we started from. To a degree. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, hopefully I don't want, like, I, I understand your criticism. Hopefully we're not doing that because we are, we do want to go play some shows. We're excited as hell to do so. Yeah. 
but it probably won't be until 2023 natch just out of the natural course of how things get planned and and to be honest we're sort of focused on doing this other thing but like i said the concert film to us is sort of insulates us from that problem yeah. for a little bit in a small way because there's actually not at least for the stereo there's not a lot of fo- great footage of us mm. doing our thing yeah. you know there's the, the new york concert and and i I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that because I, I was I was actually kind of half 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 coming out of a, a cold oh. when that happened. So like my <laughs> I was like struggling to sing that day quite a bit. Yeah. Um. So you know it's you, nobody wants that to be like the hallmark. You know. This is the uh, representation the of, of our your, band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and we had only practiced one time in person after twenty whatever years. Wow. Like yeah. the night before. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's that crazy. was a lot on our shoulders. And I remember right before we went on stage for that, it was like um, somebody popped in their head and they're like this. Uh, so far, this is MTV's largest stream really? they've ever done wow. on, online. And, I mean, and that was, of course, not thanks to us, but Paramore. But like, mm-hmm. nevertheless, we were about to go on at that moment. Yeah. And we're like, huh. Cool. And and we rehearsed once, boys. Do you remember the uh <laughs> and you're we coughing. Ah, ah. Oh wait, wait, hang on. I'm I'm still sick. But you said sorry, so, sorry, MTV's largest online stream stuff. So okay, a lot great. Of people are gonna cool. see Let's this? okay. Yeah. Three, yeah. two, <laughs> you know, and you're like, live. <laughs> little pressure. Yeah, yeah. A couple of shots and here we go. So yeah. but it was good. You know, we had a good time and we did as well as, you know. The, the old the old guard could you on pulled that it night. off yeah but i want to do i want to beat that i want to do i want to play our new material i want to play some old material and really make a great show of it you know yeah get some stuff out there and we'll and we'll get to this a little later when we talk uh 300 but you mm. guys were like 2000 like you were like right before the internet really became like the focal point <laughs> of where people yeah, get music uh, i mean you know, I, I mean, I found the stereo on like, I think it was like mp3.com or something. <laughs> sure. So it was like yeah, right there that, at the yeah. beginning. But uh, all right. So before we get to that, I do want to just go back to the Kickstarter for a moment. Uh, so how'd you sure. come up with the idea to do that? Was that was that a way to sort of gauge interest? I mean, you guys hadn't really sure. done anything in a while. Well, I was actually not a major proponent of doing it. I, I, wow. I uh, for whatever reason, I, I was kind of fearful of it. I, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just the pessimist kind of in me, but I was like, oh, we're going to fall on our face. What if like no one donates? Well, that's the scary thing and about so it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like that, if anything, we're just sort of proving to everybody that no one gives a shit. Right. Yeah. So, and I wasn't sure if anybody was going to care or not. So uh, Rory was the one that was like, no, oh, come on, man it's going to be great possible mm. just did this and it's a really rewarding way to do this and like you and then also it kind of solidifies in your head what it is that, that the connection you have with your fans and they can kind of explicitly tell you what it is they want from you by doing something like this um because they sort of vote with their dollars yeah. and, you know and, yep. and quite a few of them like you know nobody if i were to try to go to a show and sell like a record for like 150 bucks to somebody, but they get out of your, you're out of your mind. Right. right? But in this, <laughs> you in this way, this is the way that people are paying for art now. Right. And, mm. and the ones that are choosing to in, in, engage in this, this form of commerce, right. It is extraordinarily, it's the word virtuous for everybody. I think because they're getting like this, like totally kind of customized connection to artists that they care about and then the artists themselves just get so much more insight about who their fans are and 
how seemingly how special we are to them, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it really changed my perspective on a lot of things. Like, you know, I've gone through my life thinking that, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not too bad. You know, like I <laughs> did a couple of cool things. I hear every so often I hear some famous folks saying that, you know, stereo is a big, big influence. That's yeah, great. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, but I'm not walking around with my, you know, with a, a, a picture of myself, you know, <laughs> you know, looking in a mirror and, and then facing back. Like, that's not right. Not yeah, yeah. Uh, despite how some people might have claimed that's not how I operate. I'm actually, you know, can sometimes be quite, uh, quite hard on myself, yeah. but, um, but this was really great for, for everybody and it and it really opened up our eyes and it sort of recharged it, re, it you know it filled up our tanks as far as what we want to do with the band and now everybody's just in go mode for the band right now so yeah i was gonna say i mean when you hit your goal in 20 minutes you must have been like energized and psyched to be like well then it was wow. like well now everything <laughs> is great because the way that kickstarter works is like you know if you don't meet your goal you don't get anything mm, right mm -hmm. so if you set your goal too high and you could get within one dollar right, right then you could you don't get any of the money oh, but wow. once you reach your goal anything past it that and anything past it you get so then all the pressure was off about like trying to maintain oh, that's great or to do some sort of stereo telethon like in which i kind of <laughs> wasn't comfortable with so 20 i only had about 20 minutes of that and then i was like oh well now it's easy now we can just what do you guys want to do let's throw this out there see if people respond to that and we would do that and boom it would like get met like like a couple hours later and like we we'd actually doubled our goal by the end of the first day and so it was just like <laughs> I couldn't have been happier about how that went. And wow. so now, and now, we, now we've got all these projects that we have to live up to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have everything in-house but the vinyl. You didn't promise too much, did you? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Well, it's nothing that we can't accomplish. That's you know good. what I mean? Yeah. So, but, you know, it's all expensive. You know, all the money is, you know, like, doesn't, it's not, it's not going into, you know, You're a big party for us every or anything dollar, like yeah. that. We're, we're spending every dollar, um, but but be, and being careful as we do it because we want to make sure this w goes great. So, but it really is. By the time we get through the end of this year, I think we will have made not only a great record and a great podcast, but a great film and a great music video, and like shared it with everybody. And and like every one of our fans are responsible for this greatness. So thank you. you know? That's really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So. At what point in the process did the Kickstarter occur? Did you did you already have the songs? R Rory came with the ten songs. You were inspired to to keep up with him. Yeah, no, the Kickstarter was like sort of like almost like a in the last month oh, okay. or two before we did it. Idea the record had been done for nearly a, maybe a year, yeah. like mastered and everything done and just sitting there. But we were kind of like I said, we're stuck in the pandemic. Yeah, thanks, blues, COVID. Like going, what, what, what do we do? We, we were talking to several different labels, some big, some small. Um, and some conversations were great. Some were, you know, non-existent. <laughs> yeah. No matter who we spoke to, everybody seemed to like the record. It was just a mat. They were going through their own pandemic blues. So like, it was just a very difficult sort of like, well, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. We love this. And we'd be like, well, we love it too, but we don't also know if it was a good idea. We were actually trying to license the record. I don't know how much you know about the differences between doing like what's called like a master deal versus a licensing deal. Mm -hmm. a, li a master deal is where you sort of like, it's a traditional signing to a record label where they like 
we're signing you, your band for X amount of records. Mm -hmm. And every time you record, we're paying for them and we own these right, yeah. the rights they to these the recordings. Masters. And then you, you've, you know, whatever. And the licensing deal acts more sort of like a partnership where it's like, we've made this record, we self-funded it. And now we're going to go into the business of selling the record alongside you as a partner mm. for a limited amount of time. And sometimes a, a limited region of territories, you know, depending on how you set this up. Um, and it's usually a smaller deal, but it's like a lot more favorable to just the, you know, the, all the complexities yeah. that you could run You're into more with in just being in the music business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, we were going to kind of try to adopt that. And we actually wanted to sign multiple deals like in different territories and just, just sort of, it was just too complex yeah. <laughs> and for just a small amount. And like, so we just ended up kind of going, let's just release it ourselves. And then let's just, you know, we, we sink or swim here and, we swam all the way so yeah. it, i'm so glad that we ended up where we ended up you know even though it was feeling like oh god we're gonna have to just do this ourselves it couldn't have been the, a better outcome yeah and i imagine it's really stressful to do it yourself but then at the end when you've done it it must yeah. feel really satisfying <laughs> to have, totally to have totally done it all. now we're the masters of our <laughs> our own everything you know So you guys released three songs, Truth or Dare, 13, and Kings of No Hope before the album release. Yep. You've done the Kickstarter, you've recorded this album you love, but now the music's out there in the world. What was the what was yeah. the reception like? What was the response? Great. I mean, it was great. We first we the first single was Kings of No Hope, which was like the theme song to the podcast. Right. And it was it's it's probably more of a uh I guess if there's a classic stereo sound, like it's probably that. Got that driving guitar, um, and everybody and, 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 was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like return to form, you know, if you, you want to use that phrase. And thirteen was kind of like an, you know, like a left, a left turn for us, but probably what one of my favorite songs on the record. It's got that cool indie rock. Uh, sound. And then it introduced Rory back into kind of the lead vocal position, so. Mm. Um, and then we did Truth or Dare, which is almost kind of like another return, to the, different but you know, the, but but similar to like a stereo kind of song. And right. and then our fourth single, which came out the day that the record came out, was uh, Perils of Underestimation. Uh, and now it's all out, so like yeah. now I want everybody to go, you know, check out everything. So check out the whole record. And it definitely is a like an album that like we. I know this is probably passe these days, but we wanted everybody. Uh, certainly our, our sort of older fans, you know, that come from this age that we do, where you like, you sit down and listen to it all the way through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's meant to be felt like that. Yeah. Um, you don't have to, of course, but like that's that we still made it in the, in the old school tradition. So it's one movement of music sequence the way that. Sure. Yeah. It's meant to kind of like take you on a little bit of a ride. You know, it starts pretty intense. It backs away a little bit and then it ramps up towards the end again. And then it goes nuts. And then at that, the last <laughs> song is kind of meant to end on this really sort of positive, you know, kind of yay, everybody, yeah. you know, moment. <laughs> and I love that song. We'll get to it in a moment. Um, I love the new album. You guys always have these great driving rhythms. Um, but, you know, two songs that really caught my ear were songs that were really different. Do You, Don't You, and then Heart Seeks Catastrophe. Sure. 
were two songs that I was really blown mm, away awesome. by. Two slower songs. Appreciate that greatly because you never know what people are going to, you know, <laughs> it's the joke, right? It's like, hey, we're going to slow it down a bit. Yeah. And everybody goes, okay, cool, beer run. Yeah, don't you know do what that. I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, you know what I mean? Hit so, the bathroom. so, like, we try to not overdo that stuff on, on, on any record I've ever done. I try, I try to not like, you know, we'll front load it a bit with the rock and, you know, but I, I kind of was like, you know, I really have this song, Heart Seeks Catastrophe. And it really is just like a sad song, yeah. right? And it's meant, it's not, it's not even really like a stereo song in some respects. Although you could argue that, you know, we have that in our, in our legacy, yeah. right? I was like, it seems like seems like a really beautiful piece of music. I mean, obviously to me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's you know, try to like everything I do, right? <laughs> I I kind of trusted my wife on this. She really enjoyed the song, and, and I was like, you know, put this on there, and she's like, you have to put this mm -hmm. on there. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And so and and I I kind of half expected, you know, that whole like I'm gonna lift a, a big heavy box. But then it's empty, you know, and you kind of lift it up yeah. and you're surprised how light the box is. I expected a little bit of that heavy box lifting with the band, but they all went, no, that's a great song. They were into so it, all right. I was expecting a, some pushback, but nope, they, they loved it, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked that you resonated with that. So, yeah, it really it's, it's definitely the, the um, super sort of sappy, uh, the personification of things that aren't personified, like, um, you know, like a song ashamed of all of its notes, uh, like a, a joke dying not to choke, mm, you know, yeah. I, I'm trying to add personalization to things that aren't, that aren't intelligent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it certainly resonated with me when I, you know, I was listening to this record. I listened to the record a bunch of times, but the first time I heard it, I was on the highway with the windows down and the wind was blowing in and I, you know, I could hear the music. Yeah. Those songs never are, are like super car friendly. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you kind of, they're more like parking lot friendly, yeah, you know, in the drive through <laughs> maybe uh, waiting for, waiting for someone to get out of class yeah. kind of friendly, but, but not, not, you know, interstate 80. Yeah. You know, well, I, I bring it up because I got to where I was going and then I was like, wait a minute, I have to go four tracks back. What was that song? So I went back and I found it and I, li so I listened to it in the parking lot, parking lot yeah. song. And uh, yeah, it just really, really enjoyed that a lot and so thank you i really appreciate that going a little further into that you know you haven't done a record in a really long time you're you're preparing a new stereo record is there like a sense of should we be daring with the music or should we really try to stick to what we've been doing like what degree mm -hmm. of that sort of push and pull were you experiencing it's kind of an easy answer because the in my mind the stereo never tried to do that you know, we were always, we, we had, so we were sort of like a band's band, right? Mm -hmm. Like bands liked our band, but fans necessarily didn't necessarily gravitate towards, but like, but bands did. And so I was like, I kind of like wore that as a badge of honor in some respects. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we made the, the, the stereo record, uh, rewind and record, I remember when I was doing press for that, I was, I would, you know, people were like talking about like, what was your, how do you envision this record? And I would tell people like, the Reminder Record is supposed to be a radio station 
that where, but everybody, every song on this radio station is sung by the same person, mm, mm-hmm. but it's t- 12, 13 or whatever, different bands playing. You know what I mean? At, at like, like I liked that idea. Like the stereo to me isn't a, isn't like a, like, you know, and I love this band, but like a Ramones, like the Ramones have kind of a, or an ACDC, they do a it's, thing, yeah, the, Ramones the greatest thing. in the world yeah. at it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can touch them. And, uh, you know, if I could if somehow figure out how to bottle that and take it for myself, I would, but I can't. So my thing is like, I, I, in, I, I lean into the variety mm-hmm. and I think we only got more so as we did that, including the new record 13, it's still us. It's still us as people and as musicians and our sort of like our personality, our character, our humor, our, our intensity. But it's, but at the same time, it's like, I don't mind when no one wants to just drive down the highway <laughs> mm-hmm. and see the same tree, you know, like it's a video game loop or something. You know what I mean? Like I like the turns and twists. I, I think that makes, it makes each song then become more of an Island and less of a, uh, unless a, of a, a prison <laughs> yeah. in some respects, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I lean into that. I, I wasn't fearful of it. I just wanted to make sure we had, the songs that were on it were all going to be great. Yeah. I didn't want any, I didn't want a dud. And I don't think there are any duds. There's definitely some that are going to like, like resonate more with some people than others, but that's going to happen anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's very, you know, few records where it's just like, it's just unanimous that you don't stop it until it's done. You know, and like, and those, those records that are saved for like, you know, Beatles and Fugazi and, you know, th- th- that level of, masterful musicianship right you know? so for the rest of us we're just going to try hard do do as great as we can every time well i always like to hear new things i mean i love the accordion yeah. on seek and find <laughs> it's great you know yeah. wasn't expecting yeah. it and i was like all right you know it's funny there's a there's a song that didn't make it on a 300 that did have an accordion so it's funny rory was talking about it how it's like you know it's funny we we did finally get that sound on one of our records it just took like 25 years you know <laughs> Amazing. Speaking of being adventurous, you guys always had a really good collaboration. Your songwriting, you'll get songs from Rory, you'll work on them too. He'll look at songs mm-hmm. that you've done. I understand that Do You Don't You was uh, a song that Rory had presented to you and you had kind of had some ideas about and kind of sent back to him. So yeah. tell me a little bit about how that song came about. Yeah, he, he wrote this song, which, you know, sort of like in my kind of crude opinion was like kind of like a de facto Rory song, right? Mm. It had like this character, it almost like a character baseline that started the song. It was really sort of, and it was, it was great, but it would, it just, it made me want to do this, you know? Yeah. But then when I would get to the chorus of the song, I was like, I wanted to do this, mm. right? This is, by the way, I'm, I know this is an audio podcast and I'm doing something visual. <laughs> I'm, I'm the wrong medium for, for physical activity. It elicited a type of bounce that as I would interchange between parts of the song that felt a little disconnected, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, I, I like this verse part, but the chorus is so good in this song. Yeah. You know, at least to me, I was just like, I, it's just not... It's almost kind of like there's this music that's playing and then the real song starts. And I was like, oh, I just want to get this more in balance. Mm. But yeah, so, so part of me was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and flush out the, uh, 
the original idea and, and get try to get that to balance better. And, and I did. And I was like, okay, this sounds, this sounds a lot better. Um, and again, this was a one of 32, 33, 34 songs, whatever. So I was like, not, we knew that not everything was going to make it. So you kind of just push the gears until it works. And then maybe, and then when it sits in the continuum, we're going to choose it or we won't. But it, uh, this song, I kept thinking to myself, you know, this chorus just needs a, it just needs better friends. The verse and the bridge and everything need to be more friendly to the chorus. So I said, okay, I'm taking the chorus as is, but the rest of it, I'm, I'm stripping out. I'm just going to leave the vocals in place. And then I wrote uh, using a little bit of music theory trickery, basically, like I wrote new chords like a new song to fit underneath his melody. Yeah. Like he didn't change his melody whatsoever. It was stayed intact. And I just wrote a song underneath this part, which is what you hear on the record now. And Ghost Town DJs my two left feet. I'm feeling right on time, but I can't help but miss the And I, and I sent both to Rory and I'm like, okay, you've got, you know, your, your original flavor here. And then you've got this crazy thing that I did last night at, <laughs> until like 2 a.m. Yeah. I'm going to check out for about two days. And hopefully when I, I come back, you've got something good to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And of course, when I checked back in, it was like, dude, this is so great. You know, I'm like, oh, thank you. Because I really do think it should go this way. So, but it went, it went from like, you know, kind of like a, 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 a almost kind of like this like bag of tricks stock thing that Rory can do, which was great to this whole other thing that was like, Rory, we like, this is one of our best songs. Wow. You know what I mean? So, um, and then we added the, uh, I added the, um, the bridge part was completely out of left field, which is supposed to be a reference to, I don't know if you have the song Cherokee People by Paul Revere and the Raiders. No, uh, if you ever get a chance to go hear that song and then listen to the bridge of do you don't you you kind of go ah oh, right. kind of makes sense now, totally <laughs> strange you know what i mean like reference to put in there but if somehow it just works you yeah, know and, and the stereo does the referential thing where we like in this song we reference rod stewart and david bowie and paul revere and the raiders we talk about typefaces like we do Comic this stuff fans. all the time <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, uh it's just our that's our uh, earlier I was talking about our sense of humor yeah. right kind of do this thing it <laughs> makes us sort of smile and smirk and chuckle normally you'd probably shy away from that stuff you're trying to be a serious artist but we're we're always kind of tongue-in-cheek about certain things oh, sure. you know yeah and we just embrace it so. that's awesome <laughs> speaking of embracing things embracing your past a little bit the album, as you mentioned, mm, also nice comes segue. with the great podcast, Kings of No Hope, which dives into the history of the band with contributions from just about everybody. It's a great podcast. I've been enjoying it. As a longtime fan of the stereo, I will admit that I did not know <laughs> half of what I've learned in the past you know, few weeks listening to this great podcast. Yeah. So how did that whole, how did that come about? I was the main driving force behind the record, 13, and Rory while Rory wrote a lot of music, it kind of just, it was sort of like he just would send it to me and I was ingesting everything and putting the record together. I was, you know, working with our rhythm section to do all that and Rory and his vocals, whatever. But I was sort of like, my main sort of like gig for the band was to make our record, mm -hmm. right? And Rory, Rory's a, a, like an incredibly capable songwriter, musician, record producer himself but definitely was sort of feeling like, okay, well, what am I going to do while this is all going down? Right. Yeah. And again, 
coming from the past that we have, we know we're like leaning towards making a record and we knew we had this like kind of like this, this kind of a chaotic wild story to tell and not the Motley Crue story, you know, like right. that story has been told <laughs> by many bands and it's or... like, yeah, like we, we're not, that's not us. You know, we're, we're down to earth people. Right. Mm. But we have uh, plenty of goofy ass drama, just like any band of 20 year old guys would. Right. Yeah. I mean, just like just being young and um, not understanding, you know, uh, not having a great sort of respect for each other's sort of uh, idiosyncrasies and, Mm -hmm. and, and just perspectives, you know, you just kind of, you're just there for you in some respects, you know, and we all share a level of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do this thing and we're always like, you know, there's so much about the band I'm now back in that I don't really know. I was gone for like, you know, two records. Right. And like, like most of the touring of the band, but I am a founding member of the band and, and like, you know, arguably the kind of the most revered record of the band is that uh, first record 300. Mm -hmm. It's like, wouldn't it be great if alongside this new record, we can kind of come back with this, like the story of our band, like it might be kind of a cool story to tell. And I encouraged Rory early on to do this. Mm -hmm. And I also encouraged him to not make it, this is going to sound kind of funny, but like not make it nice, right? Mm. There's, there's, there's a, 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 an incredibly like a alluring uh, uh, temptation to sort of like try to tell your hero's tale, yeah. right? When you're talking about yourself, like, this is how good. great we yeah. were. And then we, and then we led up to the big concert and we slayed the audience yeah. and, you know, like, it's like, you know, snore, right? Yeah. Like I, my favorite band documentary was and the story of Anvil. I don't know if you've ever oh, seen yeah. that. You should. <laughs> it is probably one of the most honest and real documentaries about being in a band, you know, and it's not the, like, we're the, we're the amazing conquerors of all music mm-hmm. or we're the, like, we're like the, the biggest degenerates that have walked the earth and we're just <laughs> soaking in disease and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that either. It's actually a story of just people that love music and like this sort of like, you know, this, the efforts in earnest to make what they love to do work for them, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes it failing, right? And to be honest, that was kind of our story too. Um, but we're not a metal band called Anvil. So we're, <laughs> we're like, how do we tell this story? And so I encourage where I like, yeah, like, I don't think that you should make us sound great. I think that you should actually kind of, you should paint me as a villain. You should paint, paint paint everybody as as sort of like you know the and not in a in a disrespectful way but just like let's not what is what are we trying to preserve about reputations with people like mm, yeah there's no sense of that. that that certainly wouldn't make an enjoyable listen right like if we if we want to put out a story that's kind of compelling to people then let's use the truth like because our truth is actually kind of kind of kooky yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean I was, There's, I mean, it wasn't it, the craziest thing that's ever happened to people, but it, but we didn't make things up, mm-hmm. and 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 in actuality, the, the differences in opinion about what did happen is also left in the podcast. You know, there's definitely yeah, moments in the podcast where one dude says one thing yeah. and another dude says the opposite, and they're both convinced they're right. Yeah, you know, and we leave it in there, and we sort of go, yep. It's a, it's it, it isn't it isn't comfortable that it doesn't lock into place. There's no definitive encyclopedia like 
form of what happened back then. Right. This is just how it was sort of taken. And some people don't remember certain things. Other people do. Some people didn't want to talk about certain things. Other people were fine talking. You know, you just, you just, I was just like, whatever. I'll just tell you the truth. And then mm. Rory, you just edit it yeah. to make it into a great story. <laughs> put it and together. he did. It was amazing. So yeah, I, I listened to it when I've listened to it a few times now. And I recognize I'm, I'm clearly not a moron. I understand it's me talking, but I really can kind of disengage. Yeah. And like, th- I'm just listening to the story of a band that's trying to work. There's humor there's lots of humor. There's lots of heartache and just like the, this like face palm amounts of bad luck. So I think it's a fun listen. And if you're a musician, or if you're just interested in what it's like to be in a touring band, not like, not like a local bar band, but like a touring rock band yeah. going around different countries and stuff like that, there's a lot to learn from this about what not to do probably yeah. <laughs> mostly. But Well, you know, I just really enjoyed it because it feels very real to me. You know, being a musician and being a person who tried to make it in a band, like I relate to the stories that you guys are telling yeah. so much more than like, you know, say the, the, the stories of backstage and trashing hotel rooms and like, you know, yeah. drugs. Nobody stuff. can connect with that. Right. Like, and, and there's nothing against those people telling that story, but like, it's just like listening to like, I might as well try to connect with Neil Armstrong and what it was like to land on the sure, moon. Yeah. Like nobody besides Buzz Aldrin and like, you know, like 20 other people are going to like, know what yeah. that's like. It's just, we, it, we can be awe inspired by it, mm-hmm. but that's, that's where it ends. You can't connect really any other way. But this story, like you can put yourself in these shoes, you know, like people have been to Boston, Mm -hmm. (laughs) people have been to Los Angeles, you know, like it's not, these are not locations that are like outer space and these are not, you know, clubs and, and record labels that they haven't heard of. This is like visceral connected things that you can kind of just like right now go and see, you know? So it's like, it's a true is a truish story, yeah. you know? <laughs> and this is a, a six part. Well, it's five parts is sort of like the story. And then we have a bonus episode, okay. which is kind of like a series recap yeah. <laughs> where it's just uh, the band just uh, with, uh, with host Scott Heisel, just hijinks, That's just cool. like go- goofing off on, you know, like a, a kind of virtually over, over the internet, play some games. We'd like, you know, yeah. play some music, talk, you know, talk smack answer the questions <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just hijinks you know yeah, what i mean just us cool. being fools you know well check it out kings of no hope podcast to go along with the new album so jamie you've referred to 13 as the spiritual sequel to our debut album 300 so in what ways sure. does the new album connect to your debut Okay, so kind of referencing the the story of the stereo a bit, you know, the the story of the stereo is we started out with like all this ambition and and gumption, right? Mm-hmm. And and like the the first album is called Three Hundred, which is a reference to like a perfect game of bowling, bowling yeah. right? <laughs> and then our latest record is called Thirteen, far you know considerably less amount of numerics, <laughs> yeah, but also revered as like the unlucky thirteen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that we started with all of this like hope and and desire and, and determination and now we're now we're at the point where we're going ah 13 you know and the and the podcast is called the kings of no hope it's it's all very defeatist but in our sort of clever way right, right? yeah the connection is that it it's sort of it, it pays tribute to where we started from and where we've ended but that we're that it's still the stereo and in fact it's actually closer to what it was in the beginning 
than it ever was kind of in between. While our luck has sort of descended and dropped numerically, <laughs> we've turned a massive corner. And, you know, while it's been so long and we're, you know, and getting any younger, but like, this is exactly what I would be hoping for back then and all throughout the stereo. This is what I was aiming for. Mm. This is what I was driving for. It wasn't record sales or fame and you know fortune or whatever. It was having a band that like when I would play with them, it fulfills my need to play music and enjoy it. Like and I get that with these guys. Mm -hmm. They're the greatest. That's amazing. It is. <laughs> took me, it took me like my whole freaking life to get here, yeah. you know? So. <laughs> well, I was going to say, forming the stereo came out of your desire to sort of create the kind of music that you were into at the time. Uh, you had left Animal yeah. Chin and you were hearing stuff that you were getting interested in, music that was actually sure. moving you to create. Um, so what kind of stuff were you listening to back in the late 90s that drove oh me towards this project um, i mean it was a lot of things like like so probably some of the more sort of like the touchstones that rory and i would share would be like the cardigans mm -hmm. and probably weezer would you know like i like rory was uh, i don't actually know if he loves weezer like he did back then he really loved weezer back then i <laughs> thought they were great yeah especially pinkerton i love i love that record yeah um but I liked, I really liked kind of like 80s power pop, you know, like uh, Missing Persons and um, Rick Springfield and, you know, Van Halen and, you know, just really great sort of riff rock. I, that was my, that's kind of how I felt like I, I grew up listening to 80s radio rock. And so you, if you were to kind of ingest Missing Persons and the Cars and Rick Springfield and Van Halen with the 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 caffeinated craziness of like descendants and black flag and bad brains and minutemen and firehose you know basically all sst bands <laughs> i kind of feel like you you know you end up with the stereo right like you have this like really sugary sweet sort of power pop thing but then you blast it with guitar sounds like you know reminiscent of of the punk rock stuff that we were into yeah um and that was that was my wheelhouse but, but interestingly enough like, the more and more that i became as like sort of like the kind of the songwriter that i am known to be let's say um my my sort of musical taste would have have really diverted over over the years like into like like i really like like dolly parton right mm -hmm. and i really like like neil sadaka and like a lot of am gold stuff from like the 70s and late sixties. And, um, you know, some of the songs that like will move me, like you would, you, if I set you down and like play them for you, like people that I know anything about me be like, Whoa, this is, this is what you choose. You choose to listen to this. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I do. This you know, yeah. I mean, I still love descendants, right. But I will rock the shit out of some Gilbert O'Sullivan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or, or, or some Boz Skaggs or something nice. you know, just goofy that I just like, I just love this. It's got, amazing chord progressions it's got amazing melodies and 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 i'm not i'm not a necessarily an album person in that regard i just like a good song and i when i hear it i like just latch on to it and try to try to know it you know to the point where up to the point where uh, i i won't learn it because i i kind of feel like learning a song steals the magic trick mm -hmm. like if you were to learn how to do a magic trick it's no longer magic it's, it's no now just inspiring a yeah 
trick. I get that. Yeah. So like if I learn my favorite Beatles song, that sort of steals the magic from why that Beatles song is so great. Cause now I know how they did it. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it's still a great Beatles song, but there's just something in my head that kind of does the crazy thing. And I go, well, it's somehow lessened by the knowing how they did it. It's better when I, when I don't know. So, yeah. Well, that's really cool that you're influenced by all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for a stereo Ludo shuffle now. Yeah. I've actually tried to like figure out a way to do the Ludo shuffle <laughs> in the band. Cause it's a fantastic song and, and points for, by the way, for having that on deck in your head that, you know, that song. So well, not other people are going boss skags. Who's that like, nope, guy? Boss. Well, people yeah. who listen to this podcast know that I'm a colossal music nerd. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, so you were doing artwork for Fueled by Ramen, and you submitted some demos to John Janik, and yeah. he had an interest, interesting response. So tell us about John's response when you sent him some demos. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my band Animal Chin had broken up, and I sort of immediately went into what's next mode. And I, I went into the studio near my home, and uh and recorded about eight songs. Um, two songs were sort of kind of like leftovers from Animal Chin. And then the, the other six were brand new songs. And I went in, I recorded them all myself, all the parts. Um, very strange process. <laughs> uh, but then I turned this into John and John's like, you know, Rory, you know, the Impossibles had just broken up semi-recently. And Rory's trying to get something going, but he's got these songs too. And he's like, you guys should you guys should talk. Maybe you should do something together. Mm. And we did. And, and like, uh, you know, we talked about it and then like, it kind of took like a week or so. And like, I got a cassette or something. It's got my memory is a little fuzzy on this, but I remember being like, I was just, there was something I was waiting on. I think it was like him sending me the demos. And back then I think he had to actually mail it to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I heard what I needed to hear. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Wow, I'm yeah. going to pack my van right now and then in the morning I will, I will drive from Minneapolis to Austin, Texas and I'll see you in about two days or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, great. And we'll start working on the record. We had no idea what it was going to be called. We had, you know, I had probably like, you know, those, those six songs supposed to play maybe some other ideas uh, and then he had some of his ideas and it just sort of turned into like, you know, we'll, we'll put this together and then maybe we'll get one of our friends to play drums on it. You know, we were talking, we were talking to like Vinny from less than Jake, maybe playing drums mm-hmm. on it. Um, and, and the collaboration was so sort of magnetic right away. We, I was there for probably somewhere between 10 to 14 days. I think it was about 14 days. And we wrote, the, you know, and demoed the pr- kind of properly demoed the whole record mm-hmm. and then some, a couple extra songs, right? Three, three, extra songs i don't really recall it's actually we released all those demos just recently on the band i saw that yeah that was cool the the 300 demos are out from his living room that those two weeks yeah we're all done in rory's living room and then you know we would work on this stuff during the day and then at night we'd go out to eat and we just kind of talk about what we're doing and came up with the name you know went to the record store and asked if if they had any records buy the stereo and they did it so like okay that's our name you couldn't google it back then you know that was our google that that was our google search right they got it at the store we can't use it but if they don't 
we're good you know <laughs> we did double check we asked they they did have the beatles so we couldn't take that one. <laughs> uh no no i stupid joke but yeah and so the whole thing kind of happened to that point and at the end of the two weeks we mixed down the demo we sent it out to john who then immediately started sending it to his contacts at major labels mm -hmm. and we were signed to fuel by rama at this point we owed some records so um so he had us and he was like okay but i know i got something great here and by the time we started working on the record back in minneapolis drove all the way to Minneapolis, down to austin to demo it and then drove up to minneapolis to start recording it proper <laughs> not exactly sure what our thought process was there it's like <laughs> let's just do each step in a completely distant part of the united states yeah. just so that we can drive a million hours to do it i i guess that was the the aim yeah um anyway Put so we did that we, we recorded yeah, we recorded kind of during the day um, at this studio. And there was a basement studio. Is that Wigged Out? Wigged Out Studio yeah. it was called. You know, Randy, who, who who was the proprietor, nice guy. Um, you know, he had like this dingy basement studio, not atypical to anybody's basement studio Musty. of the time, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you know, there was like, he had cats and there was like a little litter box <laughs> and like, you'd like be recording a guitar part and you'd want to set down the... The guitar for a second and there was oh there's this, the guitar rack is full i'll just put it next to the litter box <laughs> you know what i mean the and laundry we'll basket. listen back to what i just played yeah like like the laundry basket probably was a, considered a sort of like a, a makeshift guitar stand that's right? funny and we just plowed through the record in like i'd say you know 10 days i mean broke everything like just the two of us right mm -hmm. and we basically just redid what we had just done a week earlier in the demos just re-recorded the whole thing and then along the way kind of picking up the slack of what we had on the demo you know like i think i don't th i think there may be one or two of the songs on the demo we recorded with a click track but all the songs on 300 i played drums to the click track mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the drums got a little tighter and you know we like used probably some better amps or something on you know we just made it a, like just improved upon the process cleaned up some lyrics probably along the way and just made the record so and then from that, I mean, it was really fast, like from the point of like, like knocking on Rory's door in Austin to the point where we're like playing a show. I want to say it was like two or three months, maybe wow. it was very quick, <laughs> you know, and like, we're like, we're like, we just were like writing these songs like a few months ago. And now we're on tour. That's whirlwind. You know, yeah. Very, very fast. Wow. So it might not have been that fast. It felt it felt fast. fast. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So you're recording this thing in this basement. And one of the things yeah. that everybody talks about with this record is how amazing it sounds. So it's incredible that doing it that fast. Yeah. Well, that's great because I, I can't hear it that way. I hear sort of the how great it doesn't sound, yeah. you know, because I was the guy that kind of made it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and Jay Robbins uh, from Jawbox, who, who mixed the record, did an absolutely amazing job, mm -hmm. especially g given what we had given him to mix with, right? Uh, but he, I mean, he just brought so much out of that. But still, it was just like, you know, it was, it was just two guys, amateur dudes trying to make something great out of something. It was authentic, but it wasn't necessarily hi-fi, you know, yeah. but for whatever reason, people still to this day, but like, it sounds it great. It sounds like, great. Oh, yeah. Great. I'm glad to, <laughs> to, to us I just fans, think so. Yeah. I think our new record sounds pretty good. Oh, I think, yeah. Like this to me is like, you know, it's definitely, it definitely has like the emo late nineties sound. Yeah. You know? Well, you guys have always done really full sounding records. It's, you've always had a good sound. Um, thank you. 
So Texas to Minneapolis, the record actually went to DC, right? To be and then mixed? we started the tour in Texas. Yeah. Then we mixed the record in, it, in the other, on the East coast, Yeah, it, went from like the Texas coast <laughs> to the North coast, to the East coast, and then back to the, to start the tour at the Texas coast. And then down to Texas. So like, just wow. like, can't even imagine <laughs> what we were thinking. And then we brought people from Milwaukee along the way yeah. just to try to make it just that much more difficult. You know? That's amazing. You guys didn't want to send the record up to Canada just for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, if they let us over, we would have gone recorded there, you know, yeah. the North Pole. So. <laughs> so the two of you are recording. You you're on drums. I guess you had to borrow a drum set is what I've what I've gathered from yeah. the podcast. Um and- Jay Clark was in a band called Kill Sadie. Um was a friend of ours and he had this really great drum set. And we're like, well, it's if he'll loan it to us, we we have access to really great drums and we, had, we we basically just you know by hook or crook got everything together that we could to to do it as great as we could you know mm-hmm. so but yeah and then going out having Jay mix it was awesome I learned so much from Jay stuff that I use just like techniques and stuff that I learned from him that I used you know that I'm going to use later tonight on on mixing this wow. thing that I'm yeah. you know, working on like it's like. I still u- utilize some of the things I learned by sitting in that room for a few days with them, you know, just soaking in so all that it knowledge. was an extraordinarily educational. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I've reached out to him like probably like five or six years ago and I said, Hey man, just want to let you know, thank you. Like mm. <laughs> every time I do this, this little thing I do, I think about where I learned it and I think of you. So thank you. It's actually massively <laughs> part of how I do things. Yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, I can relate to that because as a teacher, I've met so many teachers mm-hmm. along the way that I've, you know, borrowed things from or learned up, like really yeah. cool things from. So it's no different. That's really totally. awesome. It's great that you reached out to him. He was probably flattered by that. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tying 313 together. It's funny that you've traveled down to Texas to demo, then you went up to Minneapolis. I'm sure for the process of writing 13 it was just all through like email and like <laughs> so much easier yeah i mean this is a lot more modern of uh, a way of making a record now mm-hmm. with computers and you know distance and you know the internet and being able to sort of file transfer and that this sort of thing and the other you know it, it's less immediate mm-hmm. but you know it's it, it kind of an interesting juxtaposition we'll say this makes me sound fancy <laughs> you know back in the day when you're working with a tape system to record yeah anytime you get to the end of your song even if you're just listening to it you have to rewind and then mm. listen to it again and there and it's not instant you don't just start it again and a lot, a lot of kids don't understand that right you would have to wait for a minute or so mm-hmm. right depending on how fast the transport was or whatever and that actually was a really crucial thing that i think we we lack now in recording because you know you can you can actually have it so you can record without stopping you can do a thing called loop record where it's just it'll loop the section and you can just every time it's playing it's recording a new mm. a new clip mm-hmm. right and that is good for some things like you're trying to like you know lock in like on some sort of musical figure or something like that it can be kind of interesting to do it like that but for mo- like 99 percent of everything else it's like maddening yeah. to just like have loops going or, <laughs> or like a song Where that's seemingly never ending yeah. right and then because pe- people won't even stop it they'll just turn the volume down to have a discussion mm. and then turn it back up and and it, music just never stops wow. in the studio and it it kind of it kind of bakes your 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 ears and so the rewind time on 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 tape based 
recording systems was really important. So that's so interesting. I kind of yeah. liked the idea of like, you know, okay, so we're I'm still working on the computer, but I can't get an answer from Rory about something or get him to, yeah, he has to do his part in Texas mm. until I've sent him my thing that in which he can work on top of and then send back. So now there's, now I don't have rewind time. I've got like days, yeah. right. <laughs> or at, at minimum hours, yeah. right. For him to receive the files, put them in his computer, do what he needs to do, export what he needs to do, send it back to me. I need to receive it, put it, you know, it's arduous, but it adds a lot of uh, like silence to the process mm -hmm. that I think is actually sort of like really crucial to making something great. I always think that music benefits not only from its notes, but from its rests, mm, right? Mm -hmm. I know it's maybe sound, you know, maybe the teacher and you can, can chuckle at that, oh, but, yeah. you know, like, you know, music doesn't always have to be on. Sometimes it can be off, mm -hmm. right? They, they didn't just write the notes into the notation. They wrote rests Spaces and rests between, are yeah. just as important <laughs> and sometimes more, you know? It's, and so they say less is more, right? It's, it's, it's what you don't say. Colloquialisms like that, right? So having that time and that distance actually, I think, was really a benefit to us. And it allowed us to let the songs breathe and like sort of sink in. And then when a, an idea would come up, it would come up not at the end of a 10-hour marathon of, of looping, but like <laughs> at a fresh morning's listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think there's, there's more patience. There was more excitement around everybody's contribution sure. as these things would like, kind of funnel in, you know, not only that, like when you do it, when you are sending something out, you're typically, there's no imagination involved with how it's presented. You can just make it sound the way that you're intending to, and then let them hear it as opposed to kind of like trying to talk about something. Like when you're in a, when I'm in, in front of Rory with an acoustic guitar in 1999, playing a chord progression i can show him the chord progression but i can't do more than explain the drum part or the bass part until i go over and do those things but now i'm not doing the chord progression you know what i mean so there's like yeah. this this imagination that you have to bring on board to understand when you're collaborating with someone what it is they're talking about this way we didn't have to worry about that it was always embedded mm. we always had the drums there we always had the vocals and the harmonies or whatever right it made working on the record actually quite quite pleasurable so and i bet it was fun to like get the new parts and add them yeah. on and like you see it like totally taking totally. shape that way that's yeah and a lot of times i would like go okay i'm gonna record this and he would do it too he would like record his part he's like but i want you to sing this stuff i i have no intention of singing this song right this is and he would, there was a couple songs where he's like i wrote this for you to sing you know, and I'd be like, I can't sing that high. He's like, you can sing any note you want. I'm like, I can't. I'm like 40, <laughs> 45, 46, 47 yeah. years old. Like, I can't do this. Like, you're, you're wrong. You know what I mean? And he was just like, come on, you know, like that sort of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, but no, we would sort of like, I would write a part and be like, uh, I don't want, I don't want this to be my voice. I want there to be this, like the scene change. So you take this part. And so there was a lot of that where we already had the part, but we'd like, would recharacterize it in the story. So it, it, like, it was actually in some ways was kind of theatrical like that. You mm -hmm. know? All right, Jamie, that's all I really have. I would really like to thank you for coming on talking records and talking about these two albums and how they relate yeah. to the process. And I, uh, I'm really excited about the new album. I'm looking forward to the stuff that's going to come out in the live video and, and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And I, again, it's always a pleasure to be invited to do 
these things. I know you probably talk to all kinds of interesting people. So being a part of that legacy is always an honor for us. Yeah. You know, thank you so much. And, you know, for your listeners, if you want to go check out a new record, we're the stereo, it's called 13. It's on all the streaming services. And we have a, a cool podcast called the Kings of no hope, which is on, you know, Apple music and Spotify and or Apple podcast and, and Spotify podcast, all, all that stuff too. So yeah, go check it out. Learn about us, listen to our music get silly with us. Yeah. I really want to drive people to the podcast. I didn't want to go into too much of yeah. what you guys, it's a great podcast. I love the way it's set up. It's kind of like narrated by Rory, but then all these audio clips of various yeah. members and friends talking about the band. And it's a really great podcast. Rory is sort of your, like your, your guide through the yeah. story, <laughs> you know, but, but has this personal connection to it. So it's not like he's just like some complete stranger. Right. So yeah. he's the co-founder that, that was kicked out mm-hmm. and then comes back. Yeah. And then, and, he, and he's like, you know, basically at the end, he's like, you know, what have you done in my absence? <laughs> this place is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, the I've only happened? been gone 20 years and this is the state, you know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. And yes, thank you. Thank and, you so vinyl much. on the way, yeah. I guess vinyl is going to come out maybe in about a, well, we're, it's very exclusive. We, we just pressed pretty much just enough final for, for our backers, oh, cool. you know, yeah. so we're keeping, this is, this is a reward for them. Yeah. Um, there are, there are going to be um, probably later afterwards, like a, a slightly different variant that will come out on smart punk records. Oh, cool. Well, um, or at least in their store or whatnot, but um, yeah, so it's, it's all, there'll be there'll be stuff and and again you today you can go and listen to the new record you know on all the streaming services so very awesome well jamie thank you so much for making time for me tonight this was a lot of fun i love i love talking music i love to hear your insights into how the music was made and so appreciate you coming on and um thank you best of luck with it means a lot thank you yeah all right thank you so much yeah very cool later later dude the only one who understands the only guy Stand by your side tonight I understand what you're going through But not these stupid things you do Thanks to Jamie for hanging with me today. Make sure you check out the podcast Kings of No Hope to get the full and very interesting story about this incredibly influential band. Do you have a favorite pop rock, pop punk, emo band from the early 2000s and on? They were probably inspired by these guys. I'd like to send a huge thanks to Gary Strack from Night Owl PR for connecting me with Jamie. I'd like to thank my man Craig for always guarding the door for me when I use the bathroom on tour. I'd like to thank Chris Demakes from Less Than Jake for the wonderful theme music. And of course, thanks to all of you for tuning into Talking Records. This podcast grew out of a desire to learn more about the music I love. Information seemed hard to find, with information scattered across multiple interviews. My goal has always been to try to round up everything I can and put it into one place. Thanks for listening, and of course, for joining us on socials to talk music. All right, take care, everybody.